Hello everyone and welcome to the Jim Croft podcast where I try to link the worlds of business and creativity. Now it's self-evident in the digital economy that these once separated galaxies are starting to collide. The journey of figuring this out has led me to seek the wisdom of others and today's special guest Aishwarya Ashok embodies this wisdom. I first met Aishwarya on an online course I took last year run by KP, one of the most cherished guests on this podcast. Every time Aishwarya spoke, I was struck by her ability with the spoken word and quickly became a fan of her podcast, The Founder's Foyer. Recognized amongst the top 200 creators on LinkedIn in India, Aishwarya is a visionary product manager, podcaster and artist. Today, we'll explore how she balances being a mentor and creator all while nurturing an entrepreneurial spirit. Living at the crossroads of business and creativity, Ashwarya merges solopreneurship and spirituality. How does she navigate these intersections and what advice does she offer to those exploring similar paths? Her answer left me feeling that every challenge is an opportunity and every day an unwritten script pregnant with possibility. I believe it will for you too. So let's hear from Aishwarya and her wonderful perspectives on everything from the digital world to the creator economy. Are you ready? Then let's dive in. And we're in, Aishwarya. Hey, Jim. So good to be here. Thank you so much. You too. I have a bit of a tradition that I confess how I know someone at the beginning of a podcast. So we obviously have a prior connection. So maybe I might just pass it over to you and say, how do we know each other, Aishwarya? <laughs> I think it, it goes back to the building public fellowship uh, cohort that we met in. So um, I know I keep saying this, you keep saying this, but all thanks to the Rockstar KP for uh, bringing us together, <laughs> like, you know, trying to help folks like us who are very passionate about what mm -hmm. we do, who generally love chatting about ideas for us to meet together. I think it's, it's all thanks to uh, that particular seed of bringing us to the cohort but uh, I absolutely enjoyed getting to know you through the fellowship it was such a blast in all of our videos so uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad we are here. It was totally the same for me and we had the privilege of being asked onto KP's The Build in Public podcast and I tell you it was during this podcast and I was listening and I was going I swear it's just the most eloquent speaker and, and I really mean this I was just like wow I, you notice it with certain people with certain ways of articulation and I was just like, I just love the way you express ideas and that was actually when I thought okay I've got to follow this up and I've got to ask her mainly because it's also so lovely to get to know someone you know when you have that spark so thank you for being here oh that that's so good to know thank you so much for mentioning it and um, yeah I think we take uh, you know mutual learnings from each other I I've mm -hmm been loving the way that you share some of these podcast snippets out on um, Twitter. I know you always keep saying that, oh, like I'm new to this journey, but I think it's fantastic <laughs> the way you build the story around the podcast. And I think to me, that is more important, right? When it comes mm -hmm. to a podcast, as much as you like try to, um, you know, release episodes, try to have like mm -hmm. a good roster of guests and then have like mm -hmm. conceptual themes week after week. It's also the way you want to express that story. So mm -hmm. I've always felt that the... Uh, Jim Croft's podcast has like a certain unique element to it. It's because of your narrative style and your way of putting out that story. So uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing that. 
I just want to thank you because from my side, it just feels like pure chaos. You know, it's like it's like <laughs> the, the 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 Joker in in uh, the Dark Knight, and he's sitting and he sits down in the hospital, and he's like, "Hi," and then he's like, "I am an agent <laughs> of chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Do I look like I have a plan? You know what I mean?" And I kind of feel totally <laughs> like that in life, just winging it. So, um, but look, in terms, of, so that's really interesting, because like, obviously we have this connection on podcasting, and I'm really excited to speak about your life in a more holistic sense, because there's so many things that you're doing. But since we're just starting on the podcasting theme, let's just have a little look at, at this particular area. And so one of the things, that, so maybe you could tell us to start with about the Founders Foyer, and just give mm -hmm. people who don't know your work or the podcast a little introduction to it and before you do that i'm just going to say you've got to hear this guys because this is one hell of a podcast over to you ashwarya thank you so much for bringing the founders for you right up in the conversation so uh the founders for you is uh my side project turned into like uh, the greatest fashion project that i've had in the recent times and uh this is to do with uh building a space where early stage founders builders and creators can actually look for that kind of a support and um sort of more ideas for them to uh, grow their products. So uh, the backstory mm -hmm. for me to start the Founders Foyer was uh, the times that I did uh, podcasting even before what I'm currently doing now. So I started off with an audio only podcast and uh, that was mm -hmm. called The Podcast and I ran that with um, two of my other friends in the product space. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was doing um, season one and season two for that podcast, I happened to connect with a bunch of product folks and uh, uh, particularly mm -hmm. early stage founders who were al always like giving out um, the uh, the joy of building uh, something zero to one. But at the same time, they were very, very expressive about the fact that uh, there were a lot of uncertainties about this um, ground up kind of a building product. So somewhere I think that journey was really, really, uh, you know, resonating with me where I was like, oh, so, you know, when you look at podcasts, there are always like topics around how do you come into product? Like, how do you break into product management? How do you break into a certain role? Or mm -hmm, there is mm -hmm. the other extreme angle to it, which is... Um, <coughs> Yeah, which is basically how do you scale and how do you grow your company further? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, podcasts like Masters of Scale is very great in that where it gives you uh, more depth or knowledge into um, scaling your business. But when it comes to the middle area where, hey, I have like a great idea, but I am looking for ways to build it out. But I don't know how do I start? How do I pace it out? I don't know what is the right idea for me to pick. So some of these uh, you know, middle uh, or the gray area part of questions that were there didn't have like a sort of content that, you know, could resonate mm -hmm. with people like you and me, Jim, where we have a lot of ideas and mm -hmm. we want to build our podcast or, or we want to build our newsletter or we want to build our product. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. I saw the founders for you as um, a kind of a space that fit in this gray area. And it's kind of like saying that, right. hey, it's, it's totally okay. Like all of the guests that I bring on the show are folks who have actually aced the zero to one building, who have actually done something ship something in the past and they have mm -hmm. this knowledge about uh, the fact that any question is is a valid question and it's it's there's no mm -hmm. silly there's no uh, you know particularly nothing out of the grid but 
everybody has questions everybody has um different styles of work so i think the biggest idea for me through founders for you is to expose people to that different levels of thinking so there's also another mm-hmm. uh, you know like a, another insight if i have to particularly call it for me to say that <laughs> when people think about product or you know building out ideas they always have like a very typical path towards building a product it's like oh so you need to have like a product knowledge you need to have like uh, xyz background to be able to ship something but when i tell people that hey you know what startup comedy and product building are so related they kind of laugh it out they're like what are you like really serious why do you think comedy would be related to it or why do you think psychology would be related to it so that is another myth that i wanted to break through founders for you is that i mm-hmm. wanted to bring out the fact that different lens of thinking like you know humor psychology neuroscience mm-hmm. um creativity there are like different facets to knowledge and different mm-hmm. facets to thinking and that kind of a style and thinking is what would eventually help you build anything that you want whether it's a podcast product newsletter mm-hmm. anything so that is another angle through which i found um founders for a as the perfect fit so when people ask me like hey like what's your niche i kind of tell people that versatility in tech is my niche and as as uh you know Mm-hmm. contrasting as it sounds it's always the fact that i believed in the fact that there's no one path to tech there's no one particular way to express your ideas or to get better at something it's always great to understand various angles various viewpoints and then come to your own uh, way of deciphering what really works for you so it's like giving you uh you know multiple areas to think about mm-hmm. and then letting you take the conscious decision of oh so i happen to hear like abc kind of thoughts let me bring those together and form my opinion which is d so it doesn't have to be like oh mm-hmm. it's this kind of a 10 step process worked out for jim so i'm just going to like copy paste yep. that into my style and then you know just go ahead and use it it's not going to be like that but it's going to be like oh like i heard um uh you know jim talk about how um his podcasting career was looking like i mean he he had like a certain style to it and it's like i know how kp did the whole build in public thing i know how um dr julie garner talks about um psychology and um kind of like mm-hmm. personality playing a greater role with um the way you uh you know um communicate and the way you share ideas mm-hmm. now if i have to build a common thread along these three stories what would i do that's exactly what i want founders for you to help people so yeah that's like a narrative i i i love this because in a world that's always saying niche down and that you have to sort of choose one element or aspect of yourself what i love about your approach is i go on to you, you as a person but also how you express it publicly because i go on to your website and i just love the fact that you are not limiting yourself to one version of you especially as someone who's got an amazing amazing career in doing multiple different things and and being a mentor for people with with uh, you know in product management and all the rest of it but you're still giving yourself so i go onto your website and i'm like ashwari is doing this and she's an artist and she's got the podcast and she's in the linkedin top 100 creators you know in india and there's all these different aspects which i'd love to jump into into some of those but i find that just a very powerful part of your message that you are inviting all of yourself and all of the people that you're speaking within so where did you arrive at that as a, a, a philosophy if you like because it's it's it interests me the mm. conflict and advice between this niche down you got to have one thing you got to have a goal and you got to go after this one thing and then someone like yourself who's kind of taking in a way the opposite approach correct me if you think i'm wrong with that but what what are your thoughts on niching down and this holistic argument 
Right. Uh, first off, I think it's a great question. And um, I think I usually am a person who tends to do a lot of self-reflection and then try to see um, what's really worked out for me or why am I getting pulled into a certain aspect of work or a certain aspect of doing something. So I would say that um, now looking back and connecting the dots, it could feel like, oh, like I didn't really go through a niche, but then I tried doing like a bunch of things. But I think when you're right in the flow, uh, you wouldn't second think to say, am I going through the niche or am I like stepping away from it? Because um, when I started following some of these uh, you know, pursuits, to me, it was, it was only from the lens of, is it very interesting to me? Like, what of this feels um, energizing to me? And why, why am I like getting mm-hmm. gravitated towards it? So um, maybe like, I'm able to put that into words um, in the, in the uh, present time, and probably in the last um, couple of years of having reflected through it. But uh, each time I think um, I, uh, let's say, you know, when I, when I got pulled into a podcast or when I really started, like, I, I don't remember the time that I, I probably started doing art. I think it was way back when I was a kid. I think a couple of things that kept me sane as a kid was like books, reading, writing and art. So I, I don't really have like a certain timeline to go back and say, oh, like this is when I started art. But I could definitely mm-hmm. say that with each of the pursuit that kept pulling me in, the criteria that I always went by is, this is interesting to me. Uh, what of this is interesting to me and why am I getting pulled into it? So I'll tell you like a mm-hmm. distinction in terms of being able to, uh, you know, do a couple of these things together. I think it, it, it definitely came as a sense of keeping that consistency through because uh, of course, while you grow up, you tend to be interested or you tend to have a bunch of ideas, but you always think that you're at a loss of time because you're like, oh, like I have X things to do. I have like a school, I have like a career, I have like, you know, college schedules. So many things yeah. keep you like, you know, totally tight and totally restricted with the way you think through so I have been that person I've been that person who always had like a bunch of things to do and I realized that oh if only I had like some more couple of hours then I I, I definitely think I yeah. could do this so I I think that was the lens through which you know we all must have gone through uh with, with our work mm-hmm. but there was this certain point in time that I completely felt very frustrated about like hey like if I see somebody you know like coming up with an idea or executing on the idea I'll be like oh my god like that's something I really thought about it's not like this idea has you know never struck me but what was it that actually let me not to do it like not to pursue it and then I started thinking that you know let's instead of keeping it very constrained let me just do a small experiment. Whenever I got excited by an idea, it could be anything. It could be even like, you know, going out and then going to a certain place and then sitting there by the park or by the beach. Or it could be a simple activity like wanting to sketch something outdoors, whatever it was. I started thinking Mm -hmm. about, okay, like, let me just take the flow. Let me just go with the flow, see how much it takes me forward. So that was the first step that I did. And the step that I probably stopped at is, Sometimes getting frustrated about, oh, like I followed this path and I thought, you know, I would really like this, but why am I not liking this? Why am I like feeling very, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, after 10 times of doing it, why am I still not getting a hang of this? So that was the next phase that I landed myself into. And that's when I think... (sighs) You know, I realized that, okay, sometimes you do a couple of things. It's okay. You don't have to like completely like it. And thanks to a few people that I also like spoke to them about saying that, you know, like I love following these exciting, you know, paths. I like trying to take these exciting routes. But um, I always tend to also ensure that I do the best out of it. And that was mm-hmm. also sort of one of the things that was impeding me in in like enjoying the whole experience completely because sometimes you do a few things and it might not stick with you. And that 
experience is absolutely okay so i started liking mm-hmm. or believing in that journey more than the outcome part of it so i stopped mm-hmm. obsessing about the outcome and then i started realizing that okay let me just probably uh, you know do podcasting for a bunch of episodes let me just see how much i go forward mm-hmm. if i enjoy this i'll continue this or if i don't enjoy this okay whatever i get out of it as a lesson let me just take it that way i think that mindset of trying and testing and understanding what really sticks with me um eventually let me into you know doing some of these things consistently so when i do uh-huh, something okay. consistently it's only when i find energy with it i ensure that i don't mm-hmm. force myself um i mean there is a thin line of difference between discipline and then you know forcing yourself out so to me it's all about being pulled into something like do i have to be you know it's it's like what one of my um favorite uh, writers on twitter Dr. Julie Garner also mentions. She says, "Are you like pulled or pushed into it? I mean, push would work uh-huh. great, but then how long can you be pushed into something when you don't have a natural gravity towards something, right? So mm-hmm. I ensured that I was always like try to have a pull into something, and that was largely what led me into doing a couple of shifts in my career. And um, you know, when it comes to career, I tell people that I believe in something called as non-linear career because when you think you're really interested about something, just follow the natural progression of what do you think." you know gets you into the career like are you are you somebody who loves doing xyz things then look into something that can actually elevate that so that became like a you know like a norm for me to follow or to try and test multiple of these lenses that you mentioned mm-hmm. which is to do a podcast to do art to travel you know mm-hmm. do a bunch of things together so how am i able to do it together to answer the second part of the question like do i do all of these simultaneously as much as possible yes uh, but i don't multitask <laughs> so multitask is also you, another you, myth you, you don't multitask i don't multitask by multitask i mean i generally don't i of course all of us would have done this where we are like oh you know it would be great if i can do like um you know when i'm recording a podcast i'm also like thinking about what is the next thing to do and like doing a bunch of things together i am a believer of doing a bunch of things on the same day but when i'm focusing on one thing i tend to do it in intervals so multitasking is very different from breaking your tasks into intervals right i think i'm a believer of the second uh, method which is to give certain intervals to whatever you do like let's take let's take a day's time into picture i would love to work i would also like come back and spend a couple of hours thinking about okay like if i'm going to be talking to a host uh, i mean if i'm going to be talking to a guest on my podcast or if i'm actually going to be meeting somebody i would like to take the time off to plan and to schedule things based on that so to do a couple of things on a day yes it's completely possible based on how you plan your schedule out how you plan and you know not just schedule but how do you plan your energy like are you draining your energy on things that mm-hmm. are completely taking off all your enthusiasm and then you come back to only figure out there's no more energy left or are you mm-hmm. working your energy out in multiple pockets so that if you do something you get more energy back and you're able to put that into other <laughs> aspects of it right so i think the secondary mm-hmm. part of the question to you know how you ask like what makes you do a couple of these things together i think it's the fact that when i do one thing i have like energy that comes in it's like a gush that just comes in and then this entire thing can be put into another activity so mm-hmm. at times i feel like it's an energy loop right where you do a bunch of things you get happy and then like you know you keep doing that so that's 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 what i've found to work for me so there's a sort of precursor to what you're saying because to be able to do this the if someone's listening to this and they're like oh i want to be like a shwara but what a lot of people feel nowadays is this problem with the actual discipline of focus itself mm. 
And we know some of those reasons. We've got all the notifications. We've got, as you say, the 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 always the danger of multitasking or multiple different things going on. Or if stuff isn't going well for you, it's mm. very easy to land in this fragmentation where it's like, well, what should I do? Because there's so much I could do that I don't mm. know what it is that I should do. So I just want to mm. go a little bit deeper into the idea of concentration in regard to your life simply because I'm interested in it and also because it's an area in my life that I've been working on so very much and funnily enough landing in very much the same place as you are in that I am very very disciplined about not multitasking and I'm I I mean I've used the Pomodoro um, mm. technique quite a lot in terms of that generally I will split my my bursts of time into half hour intervals where I'm very intense on one thing if I know that I've got to make let's say I'm working on the documentary at the moment I will say right I'm going to I will steal myself for action and I mm. will say right four back to back half hours and that's literally putting putting the 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 timer on and there will be no internet there will be no, it's flight mode the phone is out out of there and it's really stealing my mind and that's and so I've been working on this capacity for concentration so mm. I'm just wondering in your life because I I feel like if you're going to live uh, if one is going to live in the modern world so two questions first of all how mm. does one deal with the distractions mm. and secondly how have you developed this profound concentration that you evidently have right um yeah to I, I think to answer both of these questions I would um you know discover some of the other uh, facets as as continuation to what we were discussing so uh, mm. first off distractions uh, I don't know if I could sound very controversial in saying this, but I think I actually love distractions. I mean, like I generally <laughs> tend to, you know, like sometimes I find distractions to be a good source of ideas. I mean, honestly, right. if I have to think back, I mean, I, I would say distractions, again, can be categorized and can be thought about in different ways. So what I mean by distractions to be good is, is those couple of daydreams that if I can call it. So I always say that I love daydreams because it kind of lets you just do like an unfiltered way of thinking, right? Because I think we always have this, um, especially if you're rooted to a you know, nine to five day job or if, if you have something as a founder, as, as a builder, if you're working on something just rigorously, there's always like various uh, facets of belief that we build around um, the business or build around the way we think. So sometimes most of our ideas or most of our ways of thinking is very restrained or very boundaried from those lenses of saying, oh, this is right and this is wrong and uh, this is not falling under this bucket. So let's probably not focus on that. And you know, various other methods of, of um, classifying and um, you know putting our thoughts through. But at times, you know, I generally think that daydreams... Um, the reason I call it call them as daydreams is because you kind of like mm -hmm. think to any extreme of not being, uh, you know, just filtering out your idea as you think. So at times, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you examples of how daydreams have helped me. So uh, there are times that I would, you know, just sit and think through, okay, so why am I really interested in art? Like what makes me interest in get interest about it? And then there'll be like a bunch of rules, uh, random thoughts in my head. And then I'm like, oh, so I think it's because of this particular reason that I'm pulled to art. And wow, so only what is the other thing that I really like? And I'm like, yeah, I do love walking. I do love discovering whenever I travel. Mm -hmm. I love discovering new cities from the lens of walking. So I generally tend to mm -hmm. observe a lot. And, um, you know, when I combined both of that, I was like, 
oh my god like what would it what would it look like if i'm going to organize an art walk like i do art i can also walk what would it really look like then from the next time i just thought that oh that's like a great idea let me just start doing it so i started looking at uh, you know whenever i go to cities i start scouting for art artistic places i start scouting for local artisans to go see their craft to go look at what they do and this honestly was never on my cards this was honestly like never something that i planned out or never knew it was there uh-huh uh, ashwari so just just quickly just tell people about what you do with the art walks just to give them a little bit of context because sure, sure. It, there's so much information in that and it's a <laughs> lovely part of what you do so just give them a quick a, a quick example yeah, of sure, that sure sure so um the art walks that i generally uh, you know gen- put myself through uh, so whenever i go to different places which is either through you know passion travel or if it's going to be even for work travel and i have like some time with me left i love discovering um the parts of the city that are very um outside of the gush and outside of what generally people look at from a very touristy perspective mm-hmm. so with art walks what i try to do is look for those um those cultural and those those nooks and corners that are very um, you know vintage or they have like certain uh-huh. stories attached to them it's because there are local artisans or there are like uh, you know tons of um uh, you know uh, like like tons of other sceneries or whatever it is that that was there in a certain place and it has like a certain story to tell you at any point in time so mm-hmm. i love conversing with people around to understand mm-hmm. like what of this place makes it um, you know really good or why is it particularly known mm-hmm. for something and when i started focusing on that aspect through all of uh, my travels the walks that i did i think i started realizing that there's a lot of a lot of things people want to convey and the best part that you can learn yeah. is by sitting down with somebody listening to their version of the story listening to them talk with mm-hmm. so much passion about what they do so um that is mm-hmm. when i started realizing that oh like i enjoy art i enjoy watching people do art so why can't i do this in in a couple of my um, visits in a couple of places that i travel to and the next part to it came that oh like why can't i host this as a public walk where i can like take people with me i can probably like you know share these stories with them especially people who are passionate about art who would love to hear about why a certain city is known for art or why a certain place has a certain culture to it certain history to it like there are long lost stories so how can i bring that out so yeah i think touch this is what i technically do with art walks and um getting this back to the distraction part i would never have probably discovered this art walk um, uh, you know lens of mine if i had probably not used those couple of distractions which is either getting distracted by myself to keep constantly thinking about oh like why is this very attractive to me like why am i really mm-hmm. going into this why is it pulling me and distractions such as it's like when you start thinking about something you you generally pick cues and uh, you know hints from things that happen around you mm-hmm. so also mm-hmm. distractions that came through where like when you meet fellow artists when you meet people who probably share a snippet about hey like i just mm-hmm. did this or you know i just did like a quick sketching outdoor and you're like oh like this is exactly similar to the idea that i had so now i go back and then solidify that idea so i feel that sometimes calculative distractions are really helpful in helping you grow a certain idea forward and it's okay that if you're not able to execute on all those ideas but just trying to let your mind wander and like just yeah. trying to be very reflective about who you are what excites you why do you want to do something can probably open up more doors to be able mm-hmm. to get to that flow state which you were saying which is the second mm-hmm. part of your question right mm-hmm. uh, so yeah i do yeah. get distracted but like i said the question that that you have to constantly think about is 
which level of distraction are you like getting into it's not that oh you know aishwarya or jim said distractions is good and then you you don't end up <laughs> doing the work and then you just keep getting distracted by putting off the work so putting off the work and procrastinating is not equivalent to getting distracted so it's very important to mm-hmm. like clear some of these uh, meanings out of the picture because you know distraction mm-hmm. is the way you let your mind stop focusing on something for a while and let it go in certain other directions which can give you ideas to bring back to that scope of work that you were doing which is tremendously helped me with product management at you know what i do at work which is tremendously helped me in discovering new uh, ways of learning or new paths for me to explore but that is not equivalent to procrastinating i would never say that oh like let me not do this job let me not do this piece of work and then expect all of these to suddenly magically give me like uh, you know 10x results and i can i can not do the grunt work and then expect the podcast to you know have like 1000 listeners or 10000 listeners and then say oh this this is some you know great job i can't do that without putting the groundwork for it so that's where the second part of your question comes through how do you focus <laughs> so i think concentration to me is to be able to um look at it from from both the lenses a it is the lens of commitment like the consistency that you build in terms of how effective are you able to ship something or how much of an effort do you put into getting or being showing up consistently to do a certain task and the second part of it is is it giving you energy like i don't want to be doing something super consistently but at the end of the day if it's draining me so much in energy like it's not giving me joy at all there's no point in me like putting so much of work or so much of time and effort into it because clearly it's not helping me emotionally it's not helping me more from a psychological and from a very uh, you know behavioral perspective mm-hmm. so th- those are the two lenses that i always look at in terms of concentration to me it's not about at least the way i view it is not about setting a half an hour and then saying i will not uh, you know do do like i i would i would just do only this but it's also looking at it from a layer above which is if i'm going to do this for half an hour how do i feel at the end of half an hour like do i feel forced about having done this or is it like uh-huh. naturally mm-hmm. coming to me uh, is this something that i i clearly enjoy doing if i have to continue for another half an hour more or if i have to do this every single day for half an hour what does it look like mm-hmm. for me so i think it's yeah. important to think about that from a couple of these lenses so that you do know that you're signing up for something that you truly enjoy you 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 truly think is adding value to you as a person and also the work that you create is also adding value to the ones who consume that work because if both of mm-hmm. these are not there then ideally how much amount of con- concentration you put into work it's not going to help both the parties right it's not going to help you it's not going to help somebody mm-hmm. who's probably like consuming that work so this is how i view it like from the lens of um, how i break down work to me it's it's getting into that flow state and like i said always I love doing a bunch of things on a day. It's like how I view my day as a portfolio. I like doing a bunch of things. <laughs> I generally, you know, <laughs> I generally tend to get bored with routines. So there is one phase of me that uses routine for certain aspects like there are certain things I'm like, yeah, I get up and I don't have to second think. It just comes to me like, yeah, I do this, do that, do this. But there are also some parts of the day I I would really come back and want to plug is because I love doing like you know a couple of mm-hmm. it's like having a whole breakfast spread kind of a thing where yeah I like that mm-hmm. I like that as also and I like combining <laughs> all of these things together so yes. yeah that's how I'm naturally driven Well it's very interesting Ashwari because there's did you, did you ever read Joseph Campbell who wrote the hero with a thousand faces 
Yes, yes, I did, I did. Yeah, did. It, well, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm a huge, huge lover of Campbell. He talks about following your bliss and how you were speaking really evoked this idea of really listening to yourself, following the bliss. Now, on the other hand, what I would like to ask you about, following on from the concentration and distraction question, because when you were talking about distraction, it was a, mm. as about a way a way to tap into, let's say, the universe or what you know Lennon talked about when he mm. was really writing a good song. It would be the music of the spheres, and it would just all be <laughs> happening. You know, f- funny enough, actually, I'm just going to pop in there because it reminded me of one of your wonderful guests on your podcast, Shreyas Doshi. Yes. And he said, I just just want to quote this because what you were saying, it was, it hit such a note with me about this idea of feeling and following your intuition. And he just wrote, he said these words that I just love. So I was just quoting him here. It said, at some point in the mind, uh, sorry, at some point, the mind is just a channel to the universe Mm -hmm. to provide you with a creative path forward. We can call this intuition. And so in that sense, intuition is the creative language of the universe. And he said this on your podcast. And I, I, my jaw dropped. I had to rewind it five <laughs> times. I know, I've just, just got to write, write it down. And however, if someone was coming to listen to, to this podcast, hearing what you just said, or what Shreyas would say, now, now let's say that they're not at, you know, in the same space or in this moment of flow. They don't mm. have that access to that intuition. Mm. They know that they've got something inside themselves. But for them, distraction is being distracted from self, not distraction as right. this capacity to listen to creative intuition. So mm-hmm. my, my question would be that so many people are struggling to get to this internalized sense of hearing their self, hearing their own sense of potential, or rather they they can feel it as a rumble, but it's deeply frustrating to the Mm. point of being painful. And it sort of manifests in a lot of people really struggling with their career or their mental health and so often. So if I were to come to you as someone who's not at your position and you were to sort of mentor me or give me some advice, how do I get to that intuition that you and Shreyas were talking about if I'm not there yet? Right. Uh, first off, I think fantastic uh, segue with Shreyas quote because uh, I'm a huge fan of Shreyas and um, I think this year, one of the pinnacle moments for me with the founders for you was to get him on the show and I'm so glad that you quoted what he said and I as well had a jaw-dropping moment when he said that because I really <laughs> believe in the fact that sometimes there are like you know, thousands of thoughts in your head. You're like, you know, whenever there's mm-hmm. there's time for you, you kind of keep thinking about certain things and you are at times like, oh, wait, I, I truly believe in this. I think there is something that is telling me a certain thing, but why am I not able to put that into the right sentence? Why mm-hmm. am I not able mm-hmm. to like, uh, you know, get or decipher a certain meaning through it? But you do know mm-hmm. that there is a quality or there is some essence to it. And to me, Shreya's penning that down was exactly the moment I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I believed in. But look at this, there's there's a person like this who has just simplified the whole belief in this thought and put that into two lines. And that's one of the greatest things for me. If it's Shreya's, if it's any person who can actually decipher, who can actually put the uh, condensed version of, of what whatever millions of thoughts that could go on in people's minds into just a succinct sentence. I think that's one of the greatest things. And which is why I think before we head, o- head over to the answer, to that question, I would love mm-hmm. to do a plug of a recent book that I I, I am loving to read, which is um, the Creative Act by Rick Rubin. So uh, 
that's another book that i feel it's like every sentence that i read in it it's like oh my gosh like this guy is really talking sense it's like i had uh-huh. all of these thoughts just randomly waltzing around in my head and look <laughs> at him he's just spreading it out in two lines and reading those two lines <laughs> yeah. is like reading 200 pages of content and then feeling so much so much of you know fullness in those two lines and yeah. after reading those two lines you suddenly feel so inundated you're like wait like there's so much for me to take in like it's just two lines but then you feel like the chapter is done like let me just go back and then reflect on those two lines because there's so much in it totally. so anyway like that's that's the other funny fact that i got reminded when you spoke about um mm. how do people mm. get to that crisp uh, you know narrative aspect of it so um yeah jim getting to what you asked me i think it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a very contextual question i should say because you touched upon one of um the concepts that um i personally believe in which is the aspect of mental health so especially if you are somebody um you know if if generally creative people tend to also have the other side where they constantly with the lens of thinking with the lens of wanting to ship something better wanting to work and grow their ideas they also tend to have this uh, side of getting overworked or getting burned down mm-hmm. by your own thoughts uh, or or you know just just hitting a sort of side on the space where you don't know mm-hmm. whether like what what to look forward to or you also clearly mm-hmm. know you don't want to go back to so there's this creative lull that they kind of you know maintain where you're like oh like i i just feel creatively stuck and uh, you know i just don't know how to build that mm-hmm. intuition or i just don't mm-hmm. know what is it there in in front of me or ahead of me so um uh, personally i have gone through these moments and i still go through these moments and uh, i think mm-hmm. it's it's important and from a creative aspect yes it's important to face some of these moments because um it largely broadens your perspective and i think it also helps you discover some of the sides that you thought you never had before so to to get to that intuition or i think intuition is a larger word uh, i would mm-hmm. probably bring it down to to understand if this is something that you really vibe with or if this is something that you really want to uh, you know stay interested in or if you really want to say uh, and pattern match with whatever is happening in front of you and say hey that is something i really want to grow about and this is sticking with me i think fairly there are like certain exercises or certain certain things that you can do as a lifestyle habit that helps okay. you get better with finding what sticks with you and to me i think that kind of a lifestyle habit was always writing things down so um i always liked envisioning myself into mm-hmm. what i don't know i could become but it was always like just thinking about like the daydream part that i was telling you right like daydreams it's also like trying to always try and seek to understand more about yourself it's like trying to say mm-hmm. i mean there are times that i start the year with writing down okay what is i should i really interested in like what's running in my mind right now and then i i would like try to write it down and then i keep doing this as a constant uh, sort of an exercise where it comes very close to journaling but it's at the same time not using a filter not using a um, mm-hmm. certain you know a certain structure to the line and saying oh you have to take down notes in a certain format just consider it as like an idea dump where you're just trying to understand at this phase what is what is it that's coming to my mind and if you see some good inspiration around you like try and sort out your notes into different buckets like you could probably have like an inspiration bucket you could probably have like a a bucket that just 
is unfiltered thoughts that you've always had from time to time. A bucket mm-hmm. that probably is having the best reads that you came across in the recent times. Because I think mm-hmm. exposing oneself to a lot of these different inspiration and a lot of these different inputs ultimately would help you build a good taste, ultimately would help you mm-hmm. build that that. I wouldn't want to call it judgment because I don't think you have to consider it very, very seriously from the angle of judgment. I would simply call it with the aspect of what makes you tick is happening only when you know about yourself. And how do you know about yourself is only when you're mm-hmm. consistently taking time off to think about mm-hmm. why do you think the certain way that you do? Or uh, if mm-hmm. you had to do something, what would those couple of things look like? And just imaginatively mm-hmm. letting your mind wander, right? I think that is mm-hmm. a lifestyle habit like you can start that as a you know a couple of times of exercise but eventually Mm -hmm. making that as a good lifestyle practice I think would be Mm -hmm. a great start and days when you really sulk you know like days when you really think this is not helping you go forward and you are like stuck in a creative loop or you're stuck in a place Mm -hmm. where you you face a certain block coming back to some of these notes would be really helpful because a it'll tell you a sense of what your thoughts look like or like what are you, what is it that you're really digging about and the second one is it's like it's like you know as kids when we try to expose ourselves to certain shapes when we find that shape somewhere we're like oh it's here like this is what i learned yesterday and look at this this shape is here it's like how you immediately mm-hmm. do a pattern match but somewhere when we grow up i think we forget some of those very very little skills like pattern matching and to me mm-hmm. i always look mm-hmm. at ideas to be like pattern matching it's like i expose myself to a lot of my own thoughts and also a lot of looking around to to say that oh yesterday i had this idea about an artwork and today i see a beautiful place that actually has a certain history to it and a week later, if I see somebody actually doing an artwork, I'm like, oh, everything is coming into a clear sense for me. It's like trying to tell me that there is a signal for me to pick up here. Now, that's the first cue mm-hmm, that you've had. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there are signals and this is in line with what I was thinking about. How was I able to find mm-hmm. whether it's in line? It's because of the same question of intuition that you said, which I'm dumbing down to the idea of pattern matching, which is trying to say, why am I getting excited? Is because I let my mind wander 10 days ago to realize that I wanted mm-hmm. to do something like an artwork. So now if I see that in the real world or now if I see that happening around me, I have like a certain way to know that this is something that is exciting for me. So at times you need mm-hmm. to tell your mind and your your uh, yourself that, hey, you were excited about this 10 days ago. And that's because you actually had this thought just pausing through your mind and then you made a note of it. Mm-hmm. So at times writing it down clearly could be as mm-hmm. those explicit signals for you to build that conviction or build that intuition, as you said, to eventually take better decisions or to eventually get through to understanding why do you want to do a certain thing? And the second aspect to it, I would mm-hmm. say, is as soon as you're able to build that conviction around, it's also understanding if it works out for you at this phase of life, right? Eventually, when you get mm-hmm. better at knowing what is it that you want or what is it that you think you could you could do, it's like, it's like filling three-fourths of the room and leaving one-fourth of the room to be filled in with whatever inspiration you get from outside. So that one fourth is going to really Mm -hmm. depend upon some of whatever serendipitously, you know, um, opportunities could come Mm -hmm. through to you. The three fourth is who you constantly make yourself to be. It's like some people like me believe in the whole portfolio concept where I love doing something for a couple of months. I love exploring another Mm -hmm. facet for the next couple of months. I always decide that, okay, if it's going to be a year, 
I would love to see if I can probably, uh, you know, um, learn how to um, do a certain certain creative uh, uh, work for this mm-hmm. particular month. Let me explore and see. And it's like, oh, I did this mm-hmm. for the next three months. How about doing another activity? How about attaching another way of work to learn in a, in a different angle? So it's always trying to think about what does this face of Aishwarya look like and why does she want to do this certain thing? Why is she excited about this? So I think both of these ultimately tie to the writing aspect for me because I generally tend to write. I, I think my writing. So I think that was, I think, one of the handy, uh, you know, things that helped me, I, I should say personally, to, to mm-hmm. get better at what I do or at each time learn something new with what I do. So yeah, that's, that's the answer to what you asked. I love that you say this phase of Aishwarya this sort of notion that we are always sort of in a process of shedding skins and sort of going from one form to another while retaining this this older potential perhaps there's a there's a quote that i often talk about from the zen buddhists talking about the the face that we had before we were born so it's this sort of idea that it's both a going to but also a return to simultaneously and we have this potential but then it's about about manifesting it and reaching it out and one of the things i found very interesting about what you were talking about because we were talking about this this you know how do we get to a center how do we get to this deeper sense of knowledge and self when we've got all this fragmentation and all the distraction and all the rest of it and one of the things i found very unexpected and interesting and um, mm-hmm. and fascinating and and mm-hmm. that resonated with me was this sense, okay, right, so you're feeling a bit stuck and you're in a bit of a strange place and you're not quite sure where to go and there's all this input. And what I liked about you, what you're saying, if, 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 if this reflects what you're saying, but it's about you, this sense of auditioning different mm. aspects at, at any one time. And then the way that you were sort of spotting what, what is hitting you in your heart in your mind and then linking these patterns exactly but i think the 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 extension of that just for anyone who is in that in that space is mm. i think part of the thing is it's that you're opening yourself up but you're you're not having to rush towards everything at the same time because i think that the feeling that you often have when you're in this state of 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 stuckness or uncertainty mm. is that you 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 want to get out of it, but actually in order to audition these things, it's not just like, I think what you were saying, it's not, you don't just run after this one thing, this one niche. You're literally having a time when you're auditioning different yes. aspects because you're in a threshold, right? You're in a moment of change and it's, it's, it's uneasy. And, and I find that very interesting what you're saying about the, the, the path out of it, not being, and correct me if I'm, if, if, if you, mm. if you hear what I'm saying, is different to what you're saying, but the path out of it, not necessarily being about, running after one thing or panicking about where you are but it's of sitting in the uncertainty right and checking out the different things and then from there you you weave your path out of it yes would would you say that that does that resonate yes absolutely and I think you uh you did a great job with trying to condense the uh the whole story down because um I think it's it's to give it in a certain phrase I would say it's like having your anchor or having your lighthouse built in 
from time to time it's not like you write it once and then let it always be there it's constantly building that kind of an anchor or a lighthouse to come back to uh and uh-huh. having to do this kind of a pattern matching happens when you're constantly digging deeper into who you are and what is making you do a certain thing mm-hmm. and then at the moment mm-hmm. that you find like you're stuck or you feel like super overwhelmed and then you feel like there's no way out it's also important sometimes to just use some of these anchors or the lighthouse goals to just broadly see that now you might be stuck but you do have a sense of what exactly could have been things that motivated you or things that took you mm-hmm. in certain directions so to constantly reiterate that or resonate with that once again it's a great hack i would say to get yourself into the habit of like self reflecting and then writing things down because mm-hmm. you don't have to take an immediate action i mean i mean to to get to that that part that you summarized about um trying to look through in the different lenses or directions and seeing which one to go about the auditioning part is great but at times even after auditioning you might feel like i don't want to take a step forward and that is absolutely uh-huh. okay i think it's it's great if you don't want to, to to take a step forward immediately but i think the auditioning part would at least give you a sense of saying that you're only creatively stuck at the moment but you had so many influences that you got mm. built through from time to time and it's not like you're starting from zero or it's not like you're starting from mm-hmm. nothingness but there is a certain sense yeah. of where you know you did a couple of things like let's say to to just you know summarize it in terms of saying when i start the year i always like write down like a loose list of things that i would love to do this year and i would go to a crazy extent of even like not thinking about whether it's possible or not but i would just write like okay it'll be great if i can probably organize a heritage walk it'll be great if i can put my art show it would be great if i'm able to like bring in 10 guests on on the founders for you it'll be great if i can actually ship something uh in the new product mm-hmm. that i'm working just just random ideas of whatever excites me at the moment and maybe 6 year 6 6 months down the line i could have only checked 3 out of those 10 or 15 goals that i've had and that is absolutely okay because i don't know <laughs> that i've got some of those dimensions right like i was able to think about what could excite me at some point in time and when i come to the 8th month there is some serendipitous opportunity that comes my way and i'm like oh wait I was not prepared for this so I'm just let you I'm just going to let you go and I would not let that opportunity mm-hmm. go because mm-hmm. somewhere I'm like oh wait this opportunity seems very similar to what I had actually started this year with I had written something on similar lines let me go yeah. back to that and then you're like oh wait I had actually written this down looks like it's it's an opportunity very similar to where I wanted to go at should I probably take this up is it interesting to me now you kind yeah. of pattern match and understand oh this was a dimension that was exciting for me do I audition for this Yes. After auditioning, do I feel better better about this? Yeah. Mm, not really. Then I think it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. It's it's good that you you tried it. You auditioned it because that was sort of somewhere interesting for you. But it's okay if it's not after you audition and you try to do something about it. So it's just mm-hmm. the angle that you always have a sense of what makes you up and what your thoughts mm-hmm. look like uh, over time right. instead of always having to think that you're stuck, which means you don't have any any way to like look into or any any direction to look after i also landed with writing as well for me it was a long journey because as a teenager mm-hmm. i had a dream to be a writer 
and I was, I was obsessed with the beatnik writers, you know, <laughs> and Ginsburg and, and so on. And I lost my mother towards the, the end of my teenage years. And the act of mortality, it came in so strong. It was like the death of ideas. And, and, and it was at this point in my life where I started sort of howling out. And that was when I came, when I came to music, but I had a sort of very sort of a, a, a very sort of damaging twenties, if you like. And then eventually I got myself into, into psychoanalysis. And I, I would literally say that, that it, it, I was in such a bad state that it, it really sort of saved my life in, in, in many ways. And it was, and one of the, but like anything else, I, when you go through a, a very deep therapy, there's a beginning and there's a middle mm. and there's an end. And one of the things that I, it obviously helps giving, it, get, it helped give me the, the certain tools that I brought into the rest of my life. Mm. And, but, the, but one of the main things that has helped me, exactly like you say, has been writing. And I cannot also stress enough the role it's played. And funnily enough, it's got, it's, for me, it's been a very emotional um, sort of cycle because having it been actually my original dream, the writing has come back into my life. And I, I just wanted to relate to what you're saying because exactly. to the extent, because to the extent that at this point in my life, where I mean, I started the podcast, I'm interested in this combination, but I don't know. I mean, my, my knowledge on the business side, I'm learning mm -hmm. every time. Time that I sort of exactly. do the podcast and meet people like you and KP but my sort of my, my history is really sort of like in the creativity but I'm at this point of change and, and 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 recreation and I just wanted to relate to that for anyone who's listening that the writing if you're in one of those strange points make a discipline of writing following on from that Aishwarya do you because I, I I try to write every morning and that's that's a habit that I've formed especially mm. over the last year about being more disciplined how do you have a a, a, a discipline or a habit with writing uh, yes, I do. And um, I think uh, I was I was getting there and uh, you rightfully got that question into it. So um, sometimes some people have like a very templated way to writing, which is trying to have like um, multiple systems built in. And there's, there's this huge market for building a second brain. There are like people who are obsessed with having a certain um, structured or an organized way of putting uh -huh. things through. Um, I think Obsidian. with me... Uh, yes, obsidian and a lot of lot of uh, yeah, tools. Yeah. But I think to me, though I am like um, as much product obsessed as as a as a PM or as a product builder, and uh, I love tinkering <laughs> around tools. I think when it comes to note taking and when it when it comes to just writing down notes, I'm very old school. Is that I follow like a combination of pen and paper and also like the simplest tools possible like Google Keep or Google mm -hmm. Doc. I think that's just enough for me in terms of being able to have a habit of writing but what i mm -hmm. do uh, is i love having different buckets of thoughts so one thing that i did mm -hmm. when i started out um, to organize to me i think um as simple ways of organizing is is to have a bunch of notes for different labels or different kind of uh, uh, you know thoughts that that would come to me like i said in in, in the middle of the call like i i mm -hmm. have like a certain note that i always go back to whenever i have like certain um loose uh, uh you know ruminations or like musings that i've had mm -hmm. in the times i go back to just saying like how do i feel about myself like i feel tensed or i feel anxious or i feel i feel pretty mm -hmm. cool about the day i feel great so i think yeah. it's more like a mood checker kind of a note where i tend to go and write anything it's not about the fact that i went in and logged in that day i think the intent for that bucket is not to say have you clocked in today's mood it's most likely to say okay what is that 
kind of a mode for me looking like over time like do i constantly find like a pattern where i'm anxious or do i finally find a pattern where i'm excited about certain things i think there's uh-huh. like a category of note that goes on to just clock in what i'm feeling without any filter and there's this this is kind of buckets of notes for me to add any kind of inspiration that i come across if i find something really interesting that i read i would go and put that there and i would probably add like a little note on saying why did i add that there like if if there's like a um, you know new quote that i read i really enjoyed it i go back mm-hmm. to saying this is great i would love to someday write an article about this or i would just simply put the quote and leave it and then 10 days later if this is still in my mind then i think writing an article would make sense i would go back to that note and update um okay yeah writing an article about this would be great so i think the way you organize your notes should be the way that you are comfortable in thinking so at times it's easy to fall into the habit of organizing it in a certain nicely structured way that probably is fascinating for 10 people on twitter but then if you can't find what you have written down or if you can't uh relate to what you've written down as from a habit or from finding your thoughts perspective then i think it defeats the whole purpose of writing down so i think to me a that habit should look like how comfortable are you to get back to these thoughts that you write it's not a one time write mm-hmm. and forget kind of a thing right like if you're going to come back uh-huh, to it okay. how much of a how much of uh you know that comfortable feeling do you have to come back to some of these thoughts mm-hmm. and the second thing would be what is a pattern that works for you if you are a pen and paper person great just stick to that if you like a combination of physical and digital notes then great i think doing that is really helpful so like sorting it the same way that you think and your mind works is the best hack because then you wouldn't find like you're doing work writing would automatically come for you uh, noting down what you think would automatically come as second nature for you as a habit for you provided you just follow the pulse of how excited you are or what ticks you with the kind of writing style that you want to take and i think then it becomes much more contextual to who you are as a person instead of having to falsify your behavior around writing because you're writing to have meaning out of it and you're not writing some some of these notes mm-hmm. are not to be you know uh, made into an essay or made into a great article that would be shared with yeah. 10000 people on the net it's mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. just trying to decipher a um, sense out of what is really going on within you or why do you want to get mm-hmm. back to this and then and you know have like a certain tracking path to it so as long as you are able to get back comfortably and you are able to relate to what you've written i think that is is the greatest um, you know form of building a habit around writing to me mm-hmm. so i think that's so interesting so we so the first step is you're getting into that center and then you're having the discipline of writing and then that leads to the sort of third point which you also sort of mentioned i'd like to go a little bit deeper into which is about this activation because the thing is when you're writing as you say some of it may remain private but then you've got this other stuff you've got this wedge of material and thoughts and all of that stuff we were talking about earlier that sort of in the intuition and the creative universe when starting to hack it and to make sense out of it and to form it and reformulate it and put it into parts and and buckets like you said so i think that leads very interestingly onto the creator economy and i know that you have been you you're doing so much as a creator as an artist as a podcaster as well as you know all the amazing things you're doing with your work and your job and working in tech which we were hardly able to cover today so at the <laughs> moment let's let's since we've got this podcast which is between solopreneurship and creativity let's dive into that sort of intersection and use the 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 creator economy as our focus there so we've got all this writing we've got this center and we're ready for the world so what now 
Aishwarya, like we, what, where do you see the, the creator economy? Let's say that I'm in this position where I'm seeing this thing and I'm seeing this kind of, this huge thing out there. What the hell do I do? What's the opportunity in it? What's exciting you about it? And how do you get going? <laughs> Wow, that's that's sort of a loaded question. <laughs> see you. Think, in, <laughs> see you in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And uh, yeah. okay, okay, I'll so do let's break my, it down to let, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, no, do your best. Dive in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll do my best to probably like uh, you know break it down into a couple of yeah. parts of of you know what this mm-hmm. would totally entail according to what I think. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Let's let's take the creator economy as a domain or an industry per se. I think as an industry, um, I'm glad there is a terminology because um, uh, I think for the longest time, uh, people did did what a lot of millions of creators are doing today, but they didn't have like a certain um, terminology or a certain certain phrase to get back to and refer to. So first off, it's great that there is a recognition of a certain name or a, or a certain indication of, oh, like people of this kind are working in this kind of space. And that's interesting because mm-hmm. uh, it gives rise to um, familiarity. It gives rise to more people understanding and getting aware of the fact that this is this is there so mm-hmm. i think that awareness leads to more people wanting to do it and also provides right. opportunity from a builder space where there are more tools more tool builders who can get excited about building for this set of people who are excited about this space so looking at this the whole concept as a marketplace, I think to and fro, it's definitely advantageous because it helps both the parties. It helps people mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. stay aware of what they're getting into. And it also helps um, people who are building out for these kind of um, uh, folks who are in that space. Um, I think to get to this aspect of can anybody be a creator? Yes. So I, I think my lens of viewing somebody as a creator or viewing myself as I would rather stick to calling it as a creative person. Uh, And my way of viewing creativity um, is solely from the aspect of what is it that as value are you able to put out? So value to Mm -hmm. yourself and value to somebody who is listening to you or who's basically consuming what you're putting through. So to me, it, it comes down to that purpose. So I think as creators, you see a lot of people, um, doing various couple of things. It could be a podcast, it could be a piece of art, it could be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, building out a tool. But I think it's it's also important to understand what of this creativity gets through and why people would resonate with this creativity. So that only comes down if, if the person who's behind scenes, who's actually doing all of this, uh, is able to convey that purpose of them doing in a, in a very unique way. And by unique, I mean, mm-hmm. in a way that comes naturally to them. So there are like, you mm-hmm. know, when, when you, let's say, interview YouTubers or when you interview podcast people, there's often the tendency to ask like, hey, like what makes you so unique or what is it that makes you like a creator? It's not the fact that I have a schedule where I put content out and that's why I'm a creator. I think that would be done by any bot that could be done by any automated tool where you go put content a content b content c in a scheduler and that just keeps scheduling that does not Mm -hmm. mean that you're a creator or you're you are putting out a creative pursuit i think those are mechanics of 
being in the creative journey to be able to put out content or to be able to mm-hmm. um uh, schedule content to be able to talk to people um or or mm-hmm. bring people together are all mechanics of being in the creative journey but what truly mm-hmm. defines the creative economy or being in this creative pursuit or being a creator is that value creation like what of this particular path that you're doing is making you learn something about a craft or learn something about yourself and are you able to convey that in the best possible manner with a certain purpose to somebody who's willing to spend that time and energy listening to you or uh, watching mm-hmm. something that you've put out or um, using a tool that you've built so it's that kind of a purpose and value tying together that i see as the benefit of being a creator and being in the creative economy whereas there all the other things that come around whether it's content or whether it's it's channels mediums tools all of these are mechanics of getting that done but the core is mm-hmm. the purpose and and the value uh jim one minute let me just uh, switch on my power supply like this charge no problem it. i'm back Yeah, brilliant. So, one of the things that I find interesting following on from that, you have so you have your content pillars if you like. And it, would you say that the podcast is the central pillar? I would. So, um I think it comes down to um uh, trying to think about if you take the audience that follows the tech aspect of it then yes probably the yeah. the product that i'm building has an audience the podcast that i'm building has an audience so any creative work or any creative pursuit that you do has a purpose so we started this whole podcast discussing about what is the journey of the founders for you or what is the purpose behind the founders for you mm-hmm. i think that is the aspect of creative economy for me as as a creator mm-hmm. and to you jim it's mm-hmm. the aspect of what made you as a musician and why did you even want to start this podcast like what aspect mm-hmm. of this creative journey pushed you into talking to fellow creators out in the space why do you, mm-hmm. why do you, why did you pull me into this podcast as a guest? is because you see mm-hmm. something in mm-hmm. me that i add value you see some aspects of my mm-hmm. creative journey to be able to add value to another yep. uh, person in the audience who's listening and i think that is that is a part of the creative economy that i see as pillars or as as the story so each person brings through a different story so how is it that in the grander scale all of these stories connect together and add to amplifying the value that comes from each of these folks who are putting out some part of their craft outside i think that to me is is the pillar so do you see economic possibility and potential in the creator side specifically because you're building products as well and you have this this uh, sort of let's say uh, old school world of making a living if you like even though it's all new and it's tech but let's say it's not spe- that's that side isn't specifically out of the creator economy do mm. you see a living and a potential and in the actual creator economy itself for yourself specifically personally are you feeling excited by that what stage do you feel you're at and yeah riff on that for a moment if you don't mind sure yeah i think the stage that i am in um is definitely exciting because i get to explore these different aspects of uh being in the creative journey and to to come to the monetary aspect of it i think i'm just in the steps to understand uh okay i am created what i i think it, before we get to the economic part it's very important to understand if you're able to get through to 
put that value out so the minute there is yeah. the value creation that you also get a signal from the market mm. from the audience that is following mm. you you have a certain conviction that oh this is actually adding value the next step is to understand how do you monetize it or how do you build mm. an economic layer around this so that is precisely where i am currently to understand oh like yeah. this is great and you know with the podcast i recently went into sponsorships and that was like a very new facet for me to understand it's like oh so this is how sponsorships work this is how the economic angle towards podcasting would work and if i have aced it no it's just very baby steps for me i'm just trying to learn and understand how do you position it so that's where any kind of a learning starts so today if lenny yeah. is able to like you know earn dollars out of his creative lifestyle of of building and shipping out newsletters relentlessly of doing podcasts and then running sponsors for the podcast sponsors of the newsletter having community um, uh, people who pay for the community those are great mm-hmm. signs that this sort of a career or this sort of a creative pursuit definitely has an economic layer to it it's just the angle towards are you tapping in the right audience and if you're tapping in the audience mm-hmm. are is that audience finding the value from it so i think sometimes for people some audiences might not work or some some specific mm-hmm. aspects of their creative journey might not work but they could probably monetize mm-hmm. in another angle they could probably look for economic spirit in another angle so it's it's understanding it's like how saying that so when when people talk about uh, building products they often say that there is a product market fit um i think thanks to a couple of you know great folks that i spoke to on the podcast as well i happen to also learn about the fact that there is something called founder market fit where the product and the market could be great but if you as a founder are you this person who's supposed to be building this product like the product can be great and the market could need that product but if you are not the right person to be building the product out if this can be built by any other person what is the value mm-hmm. that you are adding or what is it that makes it mm-hmm. different because you are doing it i think the same thing applies to the creative pursuit as well it's like trying to say that um the economic value is based on the value that you carry the the angle to which you bring about to saying that oh like this this is being able to be monetized because gym adds a certain value that nobody else is adding mm-hmm. to this particular space or nobody else is bringing as a differentiator to this yeah. particular uh, you know piece of work Oh, that's just so wonderfully put because I mean it's interesting what I was saying about Lennon and and the music of the spheres earlier I always think as a songwriter you are why does that song out in the universe you know if you think of it as a platonic idea in a way that that melody yesterday say or whatever it is you know it's out there and it but it only chooses the 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 vehicle the person that is most receptive if not it would just everyone would be writing a yesterday so it's coming down and i love the way that you i never thought about it like that that it's about becoming the vehicle and 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 i think that's something interesting like it's about living it in such a way with such a internal authenticity but from from the outgo that that your motivations right i mean i was thinking about it like this cuz uh, today's um the 10th episode you are the 10th guest uh, oh wow and, i'm i'm and, so honored yeah. <laughs> the lucky 10 woo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's like the and but the interesting thing is i think i i read i mean all the statistics are made up but there's some 90% of podcasts don't get past episode 3 and i was wondering sort of why that is is it because people see the fur the economic uh opportunity in podcasting first or the self promotional aspect first and therefore kind of get found out where they find out 
how much work it is you know what I mean exactly. like you know to research and the energy and so I Just find that very on. interesting how you just Mm. I find it very in- interesting and all it's just such a so it's a synergy between the marketplace the creator and the value that they're bringing really that's, that's so interesting and so and so what what about you because in terms of like what are you building at the moment Ashwarya in terms of like you, you mentioned you have the podcast and then there's a specific uh, product that you're building at the moment. What's that? So um, I have always been in the B2B SaaS space uh, where I build mm. out products for fellow businesses to use. So I have, uh, through my career journey, been a part of a bunch of products uh, at, at work. And it started off with um, a tool in the MarTech space where it was in the email marketing automation space where mm-hmm. uh, fellow marketers can use the tool to uh, reach out to their customers and emails and SMSs and sort of build your customer journeys through with the product. So then I moved on to building something zero to one, which was like a visual collaboration tool that helps um, small close-knit teams communicate and collaborate and think together uh-huh. with each other in, in, in an infinite canvas with a very creatively visual tool. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that I'm currently working on is um, an even tech platform where, um, you know, there are like so many expos, conferences and tech events, uh, a lot of this being hosted across the world. Uh, how can technology and how can software enable for better uh, functioning of these events, right? From ticketing to promotions to, um, you know, landing the right audience at the right place. What do you do to do uh, to, to, to help enable that for event organizers? That is something that I'm presently working on so I think I was I was probably fortunate enough to work at different problem statements through my uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. product career and each of that has got like a sense of learning for me from various angles it's uh, I, I know we're slowly coming to the end because I, I know you've had a very long day so I don't want to take you forever if it's okay just to ask a couple, couple of short last questions just to sure. to give it a, a summary thank you sure. so I find it so interesting that you that, so there's this idea that you build that let's talk about the you've got the value product whether uh, or, or you know whether it's a podcast or product whatever and then one of the interesting things nowadays is that the idea of you create the distribution mechanism first and then you create the product so let's say you're going to build a digital course for instance well it's like yes you could just build the digital course but actually building the distribution the audience first by giving lots of value for free is a very interesting way of doing it but then you have the other perspective let's just riff on the digital course the other aspect is like well no you need to make the digital course to put yourself into a position of presenting yourself as authority (laughs) and that the course will help build you out the the the, so-called distribution mechanism which is a horrible word for an audience because obviously (laughs) people follow someone for value and interest and the rest of it but you know let's just talk about it in you know all the stuff that i'm learning about because you know that side of it the market terminology i was a musician for years never thought about the marketing side and because i'm an idiot but (laughs) um but classic chicken and egg problem right (laughs) oh god well right exactly so uh, what what how would you advise someone let's say who's a creative or creating their first digital course i know that justin welsh actually just creating a new course um and how, what would you what would be your advice to them just maybe a couple of ideas off the top of your head if you're going to build a digital course do you put out the value and build the audience first or do you get on with the business of building it and worry about the audience along the way 
Um, yeah, I think, um, like I was just saying, it's a classic chicken and egg problem. It's like, um, it's like what first time founders, early stage founders go through. It's like, do I build an MVP and then go out to get my audience or do I get an audience and then try to build a product for them? I think I, I don't see, uh, I mean, like, I think I picture both of these as, um, a typical Venn diagram sort of a, uh, visual where mm-hmm. it's important to some possible ways bring an overlap between both of these um uh you know um spheres because mm-hmm. looking at each of these as a totalistic individualistic thing to do is only going to get the equation to be very difficult because let's say you know you there's like getting back to some of the things that we spoke at the start of the podcast which is a tendency to procrastinate or tendency to put something <sighs> off because you don't have something ready is the primary reason why people most often don't go beyond the third uh, in the episode for podcast or any 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 piece of work for that matter is because they think oh like nobody's listening like why would i want to create this podcast like i barely had 10 listeners or like let's say i barely had like uh, you know mm. um five likes in this post why would i go and share my mm. knowledge if nobody's going to listen to that so here is where i think the intrinsic drive really matters and to me mm-hmm. Whether or not you want to build distribution, you want to build great knowledge, you want to put out content, you want to build product. I think both of these spheres would find a common overlap only when there is an intrinsic drive. Only when you are pushed Mm -hmm. by what drives you from the voice that comes in internally and not completely externally. Because if you're going to be driven too early and too externally, at the start, then mm-hmm. you could easily give up on a lot of things that you did, which is why the podcast mm-hmm. could just not go beyond the second episode or third episode, which is why uh, a product would not go beyond MVP because you're like, oh, you know, nobody used it or nobody. So you can mm-hmm. use some of those as signals. Like I think to mm-hmm. prematurely discard something because it's not landing well, it's it's important to use the judgment call of where to do that. Like, I mean, like if you're a great founder and if you're building something uh, with, with a lot of funding and then, you know, with a lot of hypothesis, you find that people are not genuinely passionate about this idea. And then you go on to say, no, 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 let me keep building and let me keep doing it because people will come. Then that's stupidity because with a lot of these tests and hypotheses, you understand that certain parts of this is not working. At that point in time, you definitely have to step back to see that, okay, clearly something of this is not working, then why is it that product market fit is not achieved? And that angle is different. But to come back to this aspect of, I need a course, and to need a course, I need an audience, or I need an audience, and that's when I'll go build a course, is sort of putting you as a center vehicle. And to that, I would say that sometimes is important to to even show yourself of the fact that you can keep pushing things through even when external Mm -hmm. drive is not pushing you through because Mm -hmm. some of those intrinsic internal motivators like a lot of product advisors today started with not charging anybody like they just started with a passion to just say that hey Mm -hmm. I am interested about product I deeply care about the delight value in building products I deeply care about the craft so I will keep sharing feedback uh like I like, for example, like I beta test a lot of products, like founders sometimes reach out to me on LinkedIn and they say like, it'll be so cool if you can test this and give me your feedback. Probably that nice. started because I started as a user, whichever product that I use, I tend to send people like a complete detailed Google Doc or 
take a snapshot of it and then tell people ping the founder and say hey i happened to you know use this product i found this via product hunt pretty cool stuff like you know this is something i really liked about it this is something i thought could be done better and i i just thought you know i can share this with you do i expect to get paid do i expect to you know do uh the fact that oh like let the founder come and ask me because i'm a great product advisor let they come and ask me i didn't because initially i think as a user i just wanted to share that goodwill with the team that built the product so it's important that mm-hmm. sometimes whatever you start as those little habits or things that you start doing without nobody telling you or just because yeah. you're driven internally about it are what will eventually help you build that external validation um if i had not moved beyond 10 episodes in founders for a i don't think people would have really like understood the fact that today if somebody is listening to shares people go back to listen to dr julie's episode which is like right in the middle yeah. people go back to listen to those mm-hmm. first two three episodes and that happens because it's a chain effect that is built through and it was largely because i don't like i don't want to do the short game of is it getting too many likes is it not getting likes is it is it mm-hmm. of course that i'm not saying that you know everybody's so zen about it right of course it bo- it would bother you when a certain episode would not perform well or a certain post is not performable but i don't think that should stop you from having to deliver that value thing that we were talking about i think largely getting driven by an intrinsic sort of motivation is is the key to eventually bridging both of these so to get back to that venn diagram sort of a thing the middle mm-hmm. in overlap mm-hmm. to me is that intrinsic motivation that overlap eventually keeps bringing both of these spheres together at one time both will merge so if you keep looking at it as totally two different things then i think it's very hard to bring it through well, that is just such a beautifully aishwarya <laughs> idea and it goes back to the start which is a good place to end because i just love the idea that if you're building something make it about the holistic center know your intrinsic drive and then it's like both are coming with you anyway because the audience will come if you if you've got if you stick with it and time is your asset isn't it with these things yeah totally yes I, time and i think largely the energy and time as as uh, to to spaces to think about but absolutely mm-hmm. uh, space <laughs> okay well i think we need another three hours to get into the <laughs> time space conundrum um aishwarya if i would love as as a final thing just to say if you were to give a message to the world just a few words at the moment especially i think if someone is a struggling artist or is just starting as a one person business what could you say just to give them a bit of encouragement or just anything that that comes to mind yeah i think i famously keep quoting about this whole um build your own joy list so it's just the fact that the things that give you joy things that probably um makes you curious um find out that curiosity and that curiosity need not be matching with somebody else's like aishwarya's list of joyful things or things that uh makes her curious needn't be the same thing as jims or needn't be the same thing as uh anybody else's but i think just finding out what is making you curious and try to follow the path to understanding that curiosity uh would be a great call because uh it'll it'll help you find those unique uh uniqueness in in the things that you do and eventually would help you overlap with those opportunities that you find outside because you start knowing more about yourself so i think the key to 
doing a lot of these creative uh, things creative activities and pursuits is knowing yourself at least try and get to know yourself nobody can know oneself in the greatest possible depths but be willing to explore those depths within you i think that's a great first start so i would say uh, build a list of things that just give you joy find out that curiosity just see where it takes you and then that would help eventually help you figure out what you really wanting to do it could be a podcast it could be a newsletter it could simply be uh, following a new habit whatever it is i think it it just becomes much more um, much more related to you because it's stemming from the aspect of getting to know yourself so yeah aishwarya thank you so much it's been such a joy to get to know you personally and and to feel I'm becoming friends with you and then <laughs> also to witness your your professional journey and I I would love later down the line to invite you back because I just I feel like I'm only scratching the surface <laughs> of of what you have to say and, and yeah it was a fantastic conversation now uh, Jim I think like you rightly said it was just getting to know each other in a better way and um as we started the note on this podcast is you know we got to meet each other through um a creative fellowship and i'm so glad that we took that step and um definitely brought both of our paths together so you know we're completely uh, in different lines it's still uh, the synonymity of willing to uh, just just listen to ourselves willing to um you know get curious about creative uh, aspects of life i think that part um, i'm i'm so i'm so glad that i made a friend who's very very similar on that note and uh, i loved all your questions very very thoughtful and i think it, it made me also share a lot of things that i personally believe in and um, uh, it just gave me a chance to share that with the fellow listeners so i hope um, the ones who are listening to the show also find some uh, value that we were discussing out of uh, you know what we put out so yeah thank you so much jim it was it was a pleasure being here thank you ashwari you have a lovely evening thank you for your time thank you bye bye now bye